0: Welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm your other host, Harless. This is the podcast where we recap fiction story of Magic the Gathering and add our own flavor text, speculation, and reactions. We are currently in season three, where we are talking all about the story
1: of all will be one. In today's episode, we will be covering the second story and the main story arc for this set, Unstable Foundations by Shannon McGuire. Join us as we head into the multiverse.
0: Episode, we met up with our planeswalkers on New Phyrexia, where they had traveled to fight the Phyrexians. Kaito, the Wanderer, and Nahiri found themselves on a very hostile plane that was clearly trying to kill them. They ran across Tyvar Kel, the Prince of Kaldheim, who was trapped into this weird Phyrexian trap that made him turn into a statue, but luckily Nahiri was able to save him. Together, the four of them made it to a Mirren camp and met up with Malira, the head of the resistance, and together, they decided that they had to meet up with the rest of the planeswalker resistance that are currently on the furnace layer of the Mirrodin plane. A big twist at the end, though, was that Nahiri got injured and was cut in the back of her neck by a Phyrexian during a scuffle. And it turns out that this cut came away with a glistening oil and there was something growing out of her. She knows she's infected. She's lost. And that was our big plot twist at the end of the last episode.
1: This time we start our story with Elspeth's arrival on New which according to the story is experienced as static and screaming and the sensation of falling forever.
0: Ooh, we're back with Elspeth. I'm excited. Okay, so if you remember Elspeth, she was our warrior planeswalker close to the end of season two last last season, and she kind of led the, the defense against Urza's tower, and She is like, I super relate to Elspeth because she's kind of an introvert and she's super loyal and she is just a headstrong warrior who cares so much for her friends, but she's kind of a little bit into herself um, and she kind of like isolates herself just because she has been through so much. We'll go more into it in just a minute, but just to give a recap over who Elspeth
1: is. So Elspeth is alone and afraid. She fears she's fallen into a trap. She doesn't know where she is or where any of her companions could be. But before she can figure out her next move, a group of Phyrexians crest to the hilltop. She's outnumbered six to one,
0: and she doesn't know the terrain, but she is able to take three of the six out with ease because, you know, she's Elspeth. Just as the battle gets difficult, a purple tinged blade thrusts through a Phyrexian and she's no longer fighting the Phyrexians alone.
1: Kaya is here. We love Kaya. Remember, we spent most of last season with her helping Teferi figure out how to remove his soul from his body so he could travel through time. She is a force to be reckoned with and someone you want on your side in a fight. Pretty quickly, they deal with the Phyrexians and move on, unharmed. Although Elspeth checks Kaya pretty intensely for any injuries because Kaya is not immune. We mentioned in an earlier season that there were
0: Phyrexians on a plane called Nukapenna and a plane called Kamigawa. In sets that launched before we began this podcast, well, on Nuka Penna, something pretty important was revealed that I want to highlight here. We found out during the Streets of Nuka Penna set that Elspeth is immune to Phyresis because she emits an angelic glow. But no one really knows why she emits this glow. It's a bit of a mystery.
1: But Kaya, along with all the other planeswalkers, are not immune. And here on New Phyrexia, they're at constant risk. There's a passage from the story that really showcases the danger the planeswalkers are in just by being here. Exposure was a death sentence. They all knew it. The risks had been one of the first things explained when the Phyrexian threat was discovered. There were ways to escape that inevitably, but they were rare, costly, or both. Halo might be one, but their supply was limited, and they had yet to test it in the field. It was too much to hope that Malira would still be alive and able to help them. If you recognize the name
0: Melira from last episode, you'll remember that she is a Mirin who is immune to Phyresis, and she is apparently able to cure it.
1: So Kaya and Elspeth move on toward the core of the furnace layer of Mirrodin, where they hope their Planeswalker allies are regrouped. While they walk, Kaya can't help but notice how stoic Elspeth is.
0: But overall, Kaya is hopeful and tries to break through Elspeth's pretty gloomy mood. Uh, she says here, it can't be too much farther from here, Sunshine. We both landed okay. A little bumpy, but we're fine. We'll find the others. You'll see.
1: I love that she calls Elspeth Sunshine.
0: <laughs> I bet I bet Elspeth hates it, but I think deep down kind of secretly loves it. Like if she's anything like me, I like I would outwardly just be like grumbling about it. But then deep down <laughs> I'd kind of be like, oh, she's being friendly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is when Kaya reveals that when she arrived on New Phyrexia, she was shaken awake by a small tanuki-shaped robot, which is now riding on her shoulder. It looks to be Kami Kamigawan, and it's lucky to have been found here before being Phyrexianized. Pompon! There they are. Kaido was looking for you last episode, silly robot. Now, Elspeth is not having a good time here.
0: So, just for a really quick background here, and, and I think this is important to highlight just because... The context as to why Elspeth is not having a good time is significant. So Elspeth, we're going to rewind by many, many years. Elspeth, when she was a really, really young girl, her first memories ever as a young child was being held prisoner by the Phyrexians. And she managed to escape them when she was 13. It's complicated how she managed to escape them. But she managed to escape them. And during this scuffle, when they were... Like, long story short, they were going to try and dissect her. And and during this scuffle, this is how and when she sparked to become a planeswalker. So she planeswalked away. That's how she was able to get away from the Phyrexians when she was really young. She was 13. And ever since, this has been a life of vengeance against the Phyrexians for Elspeth ever since. And this has plagued her. She's She fought them in a war many years ago, and she failed. She failed this war miserably, and it cost her dearly in friends, and even her own self. I mean, her fatal wounds at the end of this battle, this last war with the Phyrexians, ended up bringing her to Theros, the underworld plane. And now she's back here on New Phyrexia, like full circle from her horrible childhood. And knowing all that she had suffered, it just must be so difficult for her. And Elspeth thinks to
1: herself, maybe it ached less for Kaia, who had never seen Meriden, who knew they walked through a graveyard but not the volume of the blood that tainted every surface. It was easier, in some ways, to walk the ashes of a battle that had never been yours. And then finally, they make it to the furnace layer. Here's the first impression of the furnace layer.
0: True to its name, the furnace layer burned. Magma teemed all around them, and the air was swelteringly hot. Shelves of pyroclastic rock served as solid ground, and somehow the thermoclines of the burning pools didn't make it unbearable merely uncomfortable. Life could, impossibly survive here.
1: They see an encampment below them with people moving about. Kaya asks Elspeth if it's Phyrexian, but Elspeth tells her that Phyrexians don't build tents, so they enter the encampment and are met by someone shouting Elspeth's voice. It's Koth. Here's a description
0: from the story about Koth. The larger planeswalker, caught her around the waist and swung her around, both laughing, bright with a levity that seemed to have little place in this burning terrain in this bleakest of times. He was an imposing dark-skinned man whose body was plated with stony armor, and the contrast between him and the slighter, though not much shorter, Elspeth, was marked.
1: Elspeth greets her old friend by telling him she thought he was dead, so she is very happy to see him alive and well. And Kai looks around and sees a familiar face as well, it's Tyvar Kell, the Prince of Caldheim. If you remember
0: Tyvar, he was the elf quote unquote statue that Kaito and Nahiri had
1: freed last episode. Tyvar tells Kaya that everyone was hit hard upon arrival on Nuferexia. He also tells her that Jace is here. Jace Bellerin? Is this seriously our first time seeing
0: him on this podcast? Wow. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so so Jace. Wow. Okay. Jace. Bellerin is has to be one of the most well-known planeswalkers in all of Magic. I mean, if you've ever seen a Magic poster somewhere or walked into a game store or seen a generic webpage on Magic the Gathering, you've most likely seen Jace on the front cover. I mean, out of all the characters in Magic, you'd probably recognize him. He's a white young male blue magical designs in his skin with glowing blue eyes, and he dresses in a navy blue hooded robe. Yeah, that's Jace. So Jace is a mind mage. He's incredibly powerful. He's able to manipulate and kind of read others' minds, which is a really cool power. And remember last episode, I was talking about the higher planeswalkers, where there's just a a sense of profound power in certain mages that kind of rises them to another level. Nahiri was one of them in, in the last episode, and we got to see her lithomancer abilities kind of rise her to that status. Jace is definitely very, very powerful. He's very intelligent. He thinks through things very logically. He's kind of analytical. But I find him very charismatic, and he is incredibly loyal. He values his friendships above all else, and he's just a natural leader. He's just he he tends to become the leader that everyone seems to turn turns to. He just becomes this this icon of, of sorts. And a fun fact about him, and we're gonna go into this later, so I'm not gonna give too much away now. But there is a very complicated, dramatic. Love story with Vraska, who is a Gorgon planeswalker, who we get to meet next episode. And I'm not going to give away too much now, but that's important to know.
1: He is in love with Vraska. So Kaya chimes in. She wants to know why Jace didn't set up a mind link so they could telepathically connect with one another upon arrival and locate each other. Yeah, come on, Jace. <laughs> Is it just me or is
0: everything everyone does now just really suspicious? Like, Jace's response is perfectly understandable and acceptable, but I just feel like I can't trust anything anyone is
1: saying. No, I totally agree. It feels like everyone is potentially a Phyrexian sleeper agent or more ever since we lost to Johnny. But Jace tells her that the link was broken by the barrier the Phyrexians put up, broken along with so many other things. He tells them that he hasn't been able to reach Vraska, Nisa, the Wanderer, or luca all of whom were part of the task force that traveled to New Phyrexia together. According to
0: Jace, Vraska was nowhere to be found when he woke up. Nyssa was with him, but some sort of trap pulled her away. He says it was as if she had somehow been forced
1: to planeswalk again. Mihiri speaks up to tell her story, and Jace is very cool with her. There seems to be some bad blood here, but before it can get too awkward, Kaido comes in and sees his tanuki with Kaya. It's his droid, Pompon. This droid is so cute. Honestly, the entire aesthetic of Kamigawa is just incredible. And Pompon is an exceptionally cute droid who fights alongside Kaido. So I'm really happy we're seeing him again. So Kaido has
0: no clue about Luka, but he does tell everyone that the Wanderer was with them, which we had seen the Wanderer last episode. The Wanderer has an unstable spark and she can't stay in place for too long. We left off last episode with her trying to find Kaido, but she hasn't made it back yet.
1: Kaya asks if Nissa was hurt when she was pulled into the trap, but Jace says that she was simply gone. The Phyrexians clearly knew the Planeswalkers were coming, and they prepared. Kaya looks to Jace for what to do next, and he tells them the plan has not changed. They're here to take the Silex to the World Tree before it can connect to the Blind Eternities and potentially destroy the multiverse.
0: No big deal. No pressure. Just gotta save the (laughs) multiverse. Ah, Jace. All right, so Malira tells them that Elish Norn calls the world tree her realm breaker. And we had heard that term before last season when we were with Tezzeret. And so this is this is the term that Elish Norn uses to call her quote-unquote world tree. And by the way, Tyvar is very adamant that this is a gross interpretation of the Kaldheim's world tree. It is not the same thing. And he is very adamant over the fact that this is. Elish Norn has completely ruined the World Tree. It is not what Kaldheim represents.
1: She's almost made it blasphemous. Yeah, like blasphemous. Yeah. Is the only way I can really describe it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, and to Tyvar's point, that's exactly what she has done. So this realm breaker is what they're calling it. And Kaya shudders as she looks around the furnace layer. She had seen enough death, dealt enough death, to have thought there was nothing left that could truly horrify her. This, though... This was so much worse than anything she could have imagined. And this wasn't everything. So much of Phyrexia was still beneath them, its horrors yet to be revealed, its dangers yet to be
1: faced. As Jace continues to explain the plan to Malira, Kaido asks a really valid question. How contained can a threat possibly be when it's already begun to infiltrate other worlds? Meaning, Kaido is pointing out that they know the Silex is dangerous, potentially catastrophic, It nearly decimated Dominario when Urza unleashed it last. The Phyrexians have already infiltrated other worlds. Norn's Realmbreaker has possibly already created pathways to other planes, hence why Shieldred was suddenly able to be on Dominaria and Phyrexians popping up on other planes recently. If they detonate their Realmbreaker with the Silex, what would be the cascading impacts? Kaito says
0: Kamigawa is not a cost of war. Which, go Kaito.
1: Kamigawa is, in my opinion, one of the most wonderful planes in the multiverse. It blends tradition with technology in a way that honors both. There are sweeping landscapes, but there are also cities lit up with neon. There are droids like Pompon, but there are spirits called Kami that represent everything from wishes to honoring the dead. I agree. <laughs> so it's a fair
0: point. His plane has already been infiltrated. His friend Tamio has already been Phyrexianized. He's already lost so much.
1: And Melira feels the same way about Mirrodin. She asks Jace point blank what the Silex will do to her plane. Jace assures her that based on his calculations, Mirrodin should survive. But then, Malira reveals some new information. It turns out the Phyrexians have done a number on this plane, and Malira asks Nahiri to demonstrate her lithomancy, or power over metal, to help her demonstrate what has become of her plane.
0: And Nahiri just really shows off here. She takes a rock and suspends it into the air, then breaks it. So it becomes a perfect sphere.
1: Just super casually creates a perfect sphere. No big
0: deal. It's Nahiri. This, Malira says, is where they need to go. It's the seed core, and it sits at the very core of the plane. Then Nahiri puts a second layer of stone around the first. This represents the Mycosynth Gardens. And she keeps going until all the layers of New Phyrexia are represented in rock spinning before them. There's actually a really beautiful piece of art from the set that showcases these layers. It's called Phyrexian Atlas by Illustronesia. Watercolor style, we see the layers of Mirrodin as if a sphere has just been bisected. There's all five suns in the sky with the surface layer on the top. And then as you get to the bottom of the piece, it's just all Phyrexianized wiring. It's so
1: cool looking. It turns out there are many layers to Phyrexia. At the center, we have the seed core. And one layer out is the Mycosynth Gardens, which is filled with a fungus that can infect non Phyrexians with phyresis just by breathing it in. Yeah, uh. yeah it's icky. Yeah. And then it gets ickier because Melira tells them that this is how most Mirans were infected initially, which is just so terrible. And Tybar actually notes this is cowardly.
0: Yeah, it's really cowardly and so unfair. I guess I shouldn't be surprised at this point. The Phyrexians do fight unfairly. So this seems very on point for Phyrexia. But wow, let's not ever go to the Mycosynth Gardens.
1: I agree. Let's stay away from there. (laughs) So the next layer out is called the Fair Basilica, which is Elish Norn's stronghold. Then there are four more layers with channels in between each. The outermost sphere is where they are now, the furnace layer. She tells them the furnace layer is the safest layer on the plane and they'll be utilizing a tunnel the Mirens made for them to reach the other levels. She's very clear about the fact that Mirens died to make sure they could get through and to respect that.
0: Okay, so what is between the furnace layer
1: and the fair basilica? Beneath the planeswalkers is a layer called the Hunter's Maze and below that is a surgical bay. The tunnel will get them past these two layers. Then there's the dross pits, which is where they'll land. There are two more layers above where the Phyrexians are now, the monumental facade and a layer called Mirex. Now Mirex is all that's left in touch by the Phyrexians and is where those Mirren resistance camps are. Elspeth has
0: a really empathetic moment here where she can't help but ask Melira how she's survived this nightmare. Melira and Koth respond by telling her about how unbearable the conditions really are, But Koth sums it up pretty nicely by saying, Mirrodin was, is a world of steel. Mirrodin's people reflect that. As long as one of us is breathing, we'll keep fighting back.
1: Now that Jace knows that the whole plane has essentially been gutted by the Phyrexians, Malira asks him point blank again, are you still sure we're going to survive what you're planning to do? And the truth is that Jace doesn't know. This changes a lot. So he's honest with her.
0: Kaya chimes in here. They need to take out the World Tree, or the Realm Breaker, as Elish Norn is calling it, before it can connect to other planes through the Blind Eternities and potentially become unstoppable.
1: And ultimately, they all agree. It's worth the risk. Koth
0: introduces them to something called Hexgold, which they can use to treat their weapons and armor. Essentially, Hexgold grants them protection from the Phyrexians, Koth calls it a final gift from Myriden because they use a substance called Glimmervoid that is found on Myriden to create the Hexgold. Why is this special? It repels the Phyrexian's glistening oil. It won't save you from Phyresis if the oil gets on you,
1: but it will make your strike sharper and may buy you time. They all treat their gear with Hexgold. Even Pompon gets treated with some to give him a little protection from the Phyrexians as well. While they're all using
0: the Hexgold, Elspeth and Koth catch up, which is really heartwarming. They honestly both thought they'd never see one another again. Koth tells her he wishes she hadn't come back to her childhood plane. He tells her she was to be spared from all of this, but that isn't who Elspeth is. I want to read you a quote here, and it just really highlights Elspeth at the core. I'm a warrior, said Elspeth. I may not want to be, but I have to be a hero to honor those who never got the chance. I have to try, Koth. And if I knew the danger and refused to come, I'd be no better than a coward. I understand, he said. It's an honor to know that I'll have another chance to go down fighting beside you. Elspeth managed a wan smile. I just wish we'd had more time. That's what it means to be yourself and not forced to become a part of the Phyrexian mass, said Koth. He rose, offering her his hand. Come,
1: it's almost time to go. I just love this passage because what a complete juxtaposition to this part of Cinder's, the first side story. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. Like, Koth is the antithesis of Rayana. Yes. Who, remember, willingly turned herself over to Phyrexia and was Phyrexianized. And, and like she gave Koth- in
0: to what is Phyrexia and just the, the courage of from these individuals. It's just, it highlights it so well here over this is what it means to be a resistance. And Elspeth is totally straightforward over the fact that she doesn't want to be. She doesn't want to be here. I don't blame her. Yeah, But it is what it means to have the honor that Elspeth does.
1: And she's a planeswalker. This is what she does. Right. Meanwhile, Nihiri sneaks off to peel her bandage away and feel the, and I quote, blunt hardened spike growing there. And just as she does, Malira appears behind her and says, I thought so. She knows. She knows. She tells her, there's an heir to people who are still holding on to hope that they're wrong. And you had it.
0: Oh, that's so sad. She could sense that Dahiri was just trying to hold on to that the fact that she'd be better somehow. And she didn't want to be hopeless. But she was just struggling against this like internal battle with herself. Oh.
1: Just knife me in the heart. Yeah, absolutely. But there is hope. Now remember, Malira can cure people of phyresis, and Malira tells her this. She says, you're not too far gone to be saved. <gasps> That's great. I totally forgot that Malira could cure people of phyresis. So
0: there's hope for Nahiri, right? But?
1: I-, I don't like that but. Harless. But it will take a long time and will essentially keep Nahiri out of the fight. Ah!
0: Yeah, okay. So Nahiri is an extremely powerful lithomancer on a plane full of metal creatures, so taking her out of the fight now would be a huge disadvantage to the planeswalkers. It might might even make the plan unattainable at this point without Nahiri. I, I don't see
1: how they could win. That's what she thinks, too. She tells Melira not helping fight the Phyrexians is not an option for her. So Melira offers another suggestion. She tells her to try using hex gold on the thing growing out of her neck. Oh, tell me it works. Please, please tell me it works. It does not work, unfortunately. Ah! So, so they make a decision. They will fight now and heal Nihiri later.
0: Okay, that just seems really dangerous to me. She, they wait too long. Like, I have no idea how long it takes to succumb to pyresis. It could Like It could take minutes. It could take days. I honestly don't know. She could, uh, we don't know how long this task is going to take. Like, no big deal. They have to save the multiverse first. She could be lost to Phyresis forever if they wait too long.
1: I know, it's nerve wracking. So they walk back and join the others who are preparing to go through the passage and into the dross pits. Elspeth is the last one to go into the passage, but before she does, she has this thought. This was where Mirrodin took back its destiny and rose again, damaged but free or was added to the books of the dead forever. They had to win. They had to. Not just for the multiverse, for the Murans who died to get them this far, and for the Murans yet to come, who deserved so much better than this broken plane. And then she enters the passage. That's it. To be continued. Oh, cliffhangers. <laughs> I want to know what happens. I want to see
0: the other layers. Will Nahiri be saved? Like That's the biggest question that I have on my head right now. It's... Nahiri she's she's infected and she's deciding of course Nahiri would decide to just keep going but it's so risky I want to make sure that she's okay I want to know if their plans gonna work with the Silex and we haven't even seen Elish Norn yet who we know is lurking somewhere beneath them
1: so much to dive into next episode. We hope you liked Unstable Foundations by Shannon McGuire. Stay tuned for our next episode.
0: As always, you can read this story and so much more on mtgstory.com. We have many more episodes on Phyrexia All Will Be One coming out soon. But until then, have Have a a magical magical day.